Mr. Gallagher. <laughs> ah. Ooh, his mustache is so tingly. But his knowledge is so delicious. Have you watched The Challenger? Is that the one with the blue? Yeah. Yes, I did watch that. What did you think about The Challenger? Let's see. I know what people online thought about it. There were definitely some comments about a Lorelei. Uh-huh. What kind of comments? <laughs> Apparently, there was side boob. There was. And those comments were or or against side boob? I think the side boob was received positively. People liked it. I thought that was interesting that that seemed to be a lot of the reaction. Not like 70% of the reaction, but there was a good amount of reaction. I was more interested in how Gengar looked coming out of Agatha's cane. Oh my like, god. Like sliding down. Yeah. That was pretty awesome. And I was like, no, they're not going to show me the rest of the battle. Oh. I know they had to kind of fit the entire Elite Four gauntlet in one video, but I kind of got the feeling that they only used one or two Pokemon each. Because <laughs> Bruno's like, oh no, I'm a champ. I guess you can go through. I mean, Machamp is Bruno's last Pokemon when you play, though. That was his last Pokemon in the line. Gengar was Agatha's last in the line. I cannot remember the order of Lorelei's Pokemon, but I think Lapras was the last Pokemon. Yeah, so we might have just seen him take out their last Pokemon for each one. And did you notice his team? Yes. It's the exact team that you would battle him if you had chosen Charizard. Rhydon, Alakazam. I'm assuming he also had like an Exeggutor and an Arcanine. That would make sense. So I'm liking and these I'll generation videos. They're pretty good. Some people might be expecting them to be their own show. I think they're more for like teaser kind of things to get people hyped up for the next game. Just because they're length. Mm -hmm. How it's more like high level content. not. And then he used this exact move to beat him. And, oh. well, and I think Origins... Uh -huh. which was a full series, put out this desire. People wanted more. And now they've come out with this, which is less than Origins? I don't know. I feel like this is a lot of teasing to not eventually have potential plans for, like, a full anime. Do you think they'll have gold versus red? That should be the last episode of Generations. Yeah, that would be a good last episode. Even now, you know, six generations in, I think Red is the Pokemon trainer. Right. That, and he still might have the highest level team, right? Level 80 Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Snorlax, Pikachu, Espeon, Blastoise, Charizard, Venusaur. Lapras, maybe? Yeah, I think so. Do you know why they changed her name to Prima? No, I don't. Apparently, her Japanese name is only like two syllables, so they can't dub the word Lorelei over her Japanese name. Oh, they couldn't manipulate the mouth? Maybe yeah. Bit. Huh. I've been watching a lot of unsealed alien files. Some of the stuff is okay and a little hokey. The thing I have the hardest time digesting while watching it is they were talking about Roswell. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're like, of course it was a weather balloon. Or, and then they tell you this whole story about how Stalin had a plan during the Cold War where he was going to fake a alien crash landing 
to scare the United States during the Cold War mm-hmm. and how he, you know, had the KGB mutate all these young children to make them look like aliens and they put them in a spacecraft and shot that over to the United States and it crashed, right? Mm-hmm. And then they're like, or is that just what the government wants you to think the official story is? <laughs> I'm like, oh my god. No, I think the government wants you to think it's a weather balloon. But they put out false rumors about it being the KGB, just in case you don't believe it's a weather balloon. Yeah. So you won't really think that it's actually aliens. On one hand, I love remaining open-minded when I can. But as stories get more and more complicated, and <laughs> it begins to appear like they're just being paranoid, or is that just what they want you to believe so you don't think it's aliens? <laughs> um, it starts to like break down a lot. This one guy, he claims that he touched a spaceship and it beamed him a binary message and seared it into his mind. And for mm-hmm. the longest time, he didn't know what that message was, but he just wrote it down. Okay. And later, one of his friends, like 10 years later, his friend says, oh, that's binary. And his friend decodes it. And it turns out like it's a bunch of coordinates to different places in the world. And it's got like a message saying the exploration of humans or something. <laughs> and uh, I'm sitting there, think to myself, okay, this is a testable thing. He right. claims he was beamed some binary. Okay. And it got seared into his mind. Okay. I'll take your notebook away. You write these four 40 pages worth of binary code for me. It was, it was like 10 pages, but <laughs> rewrite it exactly verbatim, and then I'll believe you. Each word in the message is 8 bits, so, you know, if the message is maybe 50 characters long, that that's a lot of numbers to remember, and I'd, I'd start to believe you. The second thing is, just because it's in binary doesn't mean that it means the same thing that we interpret it to mean, because different people interpret binary different ways. And so how do you know that it's in English? And how would you've just interpreted it using your encoding scheme of binary? There's things where when you start to peel away at some of these stories, where you see why they're weak and they're not very strong, right? I like to remain open-minded on this stuff. Most of the time, I don't believe it after I think critically for myself. But a lot of times you can probe a little bit like, think about it, right? And it just falls apart. Yeah. Oh, I could totally recreate that. Uh, If you can recreate that binary, that strongly supports your claim that it's seared into your mind. And I wouldn't want to accept anything afterwards, like, oh, but after I completed it, it got wiped out of my mind. Right? (laughs) But then you have to ask yourself why the aliens are sending codes to each other in English. Yeah, why would they send it in English? There's a technology out there that lets them write memories into your mind telepathically. And what they choose to deliver to you is binary instead of a message in English, which they obviously already know because they encoded a message in English. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So a lot of times I, I enjoy watching them because they are entertaining. And it's fun to think about what could possibly be but when you like critically think about it for just a little bit longer you're like oh well and you also have to wonder so 
they were coordinates, so I imagine they were in latitude and longitude. They were, right? right? Why would they use latitude and longitude? They could have it's totally the same arbitrary. So how would they know which place is the <clears throat> origin for each of them? Right. Because the Earth is spherical, or relatively spherical, those perpendicular lines could really be set up with any spots. And they might logically conclude that the equator should be where it is because of weather patterns. You know, you might infer because of their poles. Mm -hmm. You might think, okay, these are good opposite points, mm -hmm. but the prime meridian is totally arbitrary. Yeah, just because England happens to be there, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's things like that. And you could argue, well, they're just a super race and stuff. Um, <laughs> but now you're starting to allow a little too much without scrutiny. Clearly just took our system when they got here. Yeah, oh, okay. How did they learn that system? Did they abduct somebody and ask them to tell them? How did they get that person to communicate with them in a way that they understand? You know, they don't just magically know English. I think if they kiss someone, they learn English. I saw that in a TV show once. Oh, yeah, Teen Titans. <laughs> that would actually be pretty cool. I'd want to learn, like, Japanese. It'd be cool to learn some African languages. It'd be good to be proficient in Mandarin. Ancient languages would be cool to learn an ancient language that nobody really speaks anymore. There probably wouldn't be dead languages. Like, if there's one person left who speaks a Native American language, someone would just have to kiss them. Ah, here's a question. How would that work mechanically? You download the entire language or all of the language that that person knows? You'd probably get learn all the language they know. Okay. That makes more sense. Do you think over time that method of education might limit the pool of words that is commonly used. Mm. I know a lot of words, right? But I don't use them very often. Right. And I usually use 100, 200 words max most of the time. Right. But I guess if you only had to kiss one person that has ever used that word or knew that it existed. Right, if you get every word they know. And there's no reason why you couldn't kiss multiple people who know English to get different sets of English vocabulary. Oh, that's true. Now here's a question. Would that be prone to interpretation of the word? Because words have like connotation behind them too. Mm -hmm. Like if I have a connotation that the word fine is negative, where they say, oh, that's fine. And I kiss somebody who has that connotation, or they kiss me, do they get that connotation too? Uh, even though that might not be their original viewpoint. And if they already know the word, does it skip the overwrite or the upload? I would imagine that it, it's additive. You and I have two different definitions of the word cool, where you think cool is something that is interesting or trendy, right? Mm -hmm. And I think the word cool means to be cold. And some mysterious person kisses both of us. That person would have both definitions in their mind? I would think so, yeah. I was actually just thinking about, like, the apparatus that allows this to happen. Okay. Yeah, maybe you have a vocabulary center of your brain, mm -hmm. and it is somehow directly connected to your lips via a neuron. Oh, and it, like, fires across your lips? 
and it like fires into the other person's and this would be you know neurons don't really transmit information right information is like a set pathway that you kind of build up through association so you would somehow need to send information so that someone else's neurons could appropriately reorganize themselves so you would have to like like overload their system a little bit so that certain connections get much stronger much more rapidly than normal yes it would probably be painful (laughs) i'm going to rewire you (laughs) you're gonna rewire a portion of your brain and then would it be something you could control? Maybe you just wanted to make out with someone and you didn't want to learn their language. You just, the whole time you're like, no, 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 don't, don't shock them. Yeah. Let's say, you know, you're an agent of a government and you don't want someone to learn your language, right? You've been captured and you have a secret code that you know. Can you withhold the information? Oh, so like selectively teach them a language. Right. Or maybe teach them the wrong language. I guess if you could transfer language, why not be able to transfer anything? Any a thought or emotion. Or you'd go to school and you would just kiss your teacher and walk away. And... Ooh, that would be weird. <laughs> Mr. Gallagher. <laughs> ah. Ooh, his mustache is so tingly. But his knowledge is so delicious. I think that's the thing I grapple with the most, is like trying to educate people. In our group, like when new folks come, and I'm trying to train them, gauging like knowledge transfers not too bad, and I have like diagrams and try and explain it different ways, graphically, auditory, like spatial, even like this thing's over here and this thing's over there. Actually, being able to gauge retention and comprehension is at least for me, quite difficult. I'll be training somebody and they're real sharp. They hear it like once or twice and never have to hear it again. I just wonder if we speak the same language or like our mental models are similar. But then there'll be other people where it's like, I'm communicating it the same way and I'm trying like different styles, but I'm not able to get them up to speed as quickly as some other people who would be listening. And so part of that, obviously, is the individuals are different. But like getting mm-hmm. to that mode where it's like, aha, this is how their mind works. I should talk to them this way. So it's easiest for them. And getting to that takes time, at least for me. What's your been your experience with communicating with other people? I think if you spend enough time with a wide variety of people, You might be able to very quickly pick up on what's working with someone and not working Mm -hmm. for more superficial things. You know, like trying to teach someone like to, to cook, you know, some people it's like, okay, hand me a written recipe. Some people it's show me some people it's just give them ingredients and ask them, what do you think? The way I take in information a lot is just by observing and doing and school is really easy for me not like straight A's or anything but it's rather easy and I wonder if it's just that being more auditory and like hands-on it's already structured that way school is (laughs) and so I already was at an advantage there that they teach in the format 
that is convenient for me. But other people might be like, oh, I need to maybe see it, or I need to be able to feel it in some way, or connect right. with it in some other useful context. Because I know lots of people will be like, math's not very useful to me. Why would I ever need math? And I wonder if presenting it in another way might have clicked. No, definitely. Yeah. I think there's a lot of research on children having different learning styles. I mean, I don't know what teachers are doing in elementary schools these days because I'm not in elementary school anymore, but I imagine there's more hands-on and more specialized attention covering material in multiple ways. This was a while ago. One of my residents about how reading is not like the end-all be-all of learning. Oh, yeah, I remember that guy. <laughs> We wanted to set up a test to prove that reading is not the superior method of communication and learning. Yeah, I remember this. Okay, go ahead. Taking in information via reading is the most efficient way, and a person who can't take in information via reading is somehow inferior. And we... <laughs> Uh -huh. We then spent some time coming up with multiple counterexamples for people who learn by doing or learn by watching or learn by, you know, maybe they're reading and doing. Yeah. And I think in the end, he just kind of concluded that any task that isn't learned best by reading doesn't really matter was kind of his... Because I think we were talking about sports. Reading about sports is not going to yes. necessarily make you a better athlete. And his response was that sports are just not... Not an intellectual endeavor. That's what he said, intellectual endeavor. Right, so Our, then he changed from uh, it's the best way chest. to learn to the best way to learn intellectual things. Yep, it's called moving the goalpost. Yes. <laughs> the logical fallacy. I think we ended up winning or he just gave up. It's been a while. He cured AIDS. Do you remember that? Oh my god. <clears throat> how, how did he break the news to you that he had found the cure for AIDS? Or at least planned it or something. He came up with it in the shower, I guess. <laughs> oh, did he tell you what the cure was? No, because explaining it would possibly allow me to steal the idea yes but okay can we talk about that vanity for a second i love meeting people where they're like i have a great idea but i'm not going to tell it to you because you might steal it doesn't matter if you get there first right <laughs> also tons of people have like the same idea they're like oh vhs tapes are terrible what if there was some sort of cd that i could put it on a dvd right but they, right. Never, they never act on it so it never happens. So you don't really have to worry about most people. Now, if you're talking to like a venture capitalist and you didn't have them sign some sort of agreement that doesn't allow them to steal your idea, then yeah, you should be a little concerned that they might steal your idea. Or an engineer or an inventor. Yeah. Nine times out of ten, you weren't going to do it anyway. So I, I think those people are just a little bit self-aggrandizing. Uh, They're like, haha, I could do it if I wanted to. I could cure cancer. <laughs> I don't but I want to turn people into dinosaurs. <laughs> <sighs> well, I eagerly await his cure. 
yes. I don't... As does 6% of the African continent. Hundreds of thousands of people in the rest of the world. <sighs> Do you think he actually believes he's found the cure? I mean, I kind of imagine that... Because he was like a freshman or a sophomore at the time. So maybe he just had like a really good impression of himself and his own abilities. He considered himself to be very exceptional. <laughs> so when he had an idea that in his mind, and it, you know, how much could you actually know about the HIV retrovirus yes. and things at the age of 18 to even formulate something that might make sense? Right, without having already a lot of experience or access to materials, or people that already have the disease. I imagine that maybe at the time it seemed like, well, duh, why not do this? Here's the cure. Grab them all, put them all on an island, (laughs) (laughs) and there you go. Leper colony. Solved. I mean, that would... I don't think that would technically work. If you could screen everyone perfectly and get everyone to comply. Right. And that's the kind of idea I would expect from someone like him. who's like It's so obvious. <laughs> okay, sure. But How I don't, are you going to yeah. get them on the island? You put them on a boat. How are you going to feed them now that they've been ripped from their loved ones? It's also possible you didn't actually have an idea. Nonsense. That is <laughs> He's obviously telling the truth, Ben. He's hiding it. <laughs> He's hiding it from us. There's also something to be said for someone who has the cure for AIDS but won't tell anyone about it out of, like, concern of them stealing the idea. And it's like, you know, people are, like, dying all over the world. You should just cure AIDS already. Yeah, just like Pterodactyl Guy. (laughs) It's like, wait, you can just do that? Just do it then, you know? And sure, someone will give you some money at some point. Yeah. Maybe the guy that stole your idea. He didn't steal your idea. Ideas can't be stolen. He just implemented it. That's my opinion. As soon as an idea is out there, they're meant to be shared, right? It's just that he had the balls to go out and implement it, try it out. Hey, look, it worked. Oh, some of these things weren't right. I tweaked it a little bit. Now it works. That's the guy or lady that cures cancer cures these diseases not that i have any idea how that would ever happen but doing is more important than just the idea part just like maybe reading about sports versus throwing a spiral football (laughs) you know one of these will assist your sporting career slightly more yes maximum throw skill (laughs) That'll, uh, that'll definitely impress us. A Pacinian, though. <laughs> they watch your form. <laughs> they have, like, a draft and everything. We want that Pacinian on our team. Apparently they watch their trainers for good form when they throw Pokeballs. <laughs> it's somewhere on the page. It watches a trainer's form mostly when he or she throws Pokeballs and will not listen to orders it, of a trainer with poor form. I don't take orders from somebody that can't even throw a Pokeball. So how's your uh, new Poke friend? Does he talk to you about Pokemon anymore? I'm trying to think. We've 
talk about Pokemon recently. So we typically talk about Pokemon. It's actually uh, like while we're in the lab running a gel and you have to wait 40 minutes. Uh-huh. But recently we were talking about like research things. Research things. Yeah. Sometimes you have to talk about that. That and politics. Yeah, the presidential debate has fueled a lot of conversations this week all over the country, I'm sure. So that was a big topic with basically everyone I know. What are they all saying? Everyone thought Trump looked bad and did poorly and needs to just give up. I think most people who said that would also have said that, you know, three months ago. If anything, one of the general consensus points was that by letting Trump talk, Hillary was allowing him to, like, hurt himself. Interesting. Use your power against you kind of tactic. Yeah, kind of like giving him his own shovel. Like handing him a shovel to dig a hole. Or or someone even said that she was just sitting there measuring out the rope so he could hang himself. I'm always interested in the disconnect between two people looking at the same thing and totally having different takeaway messages. Two people could watch the debates and one person says, oh, Hillary's just sitting there cat-mousing him, letting him (laughs) shoot himself in the foot. And other people are like, oh, Trump was expertly restraining himself by not being too offensive. Right, he barely screamed at her. Yeah, you know, it's like... Uh, you even foaming at the mouth. Yeah, I think that what makes like objectivity extremely hard, especially as a person that might not have watched the debates. Uh, being me, understanding how it is, because now you get that telephone effect. Right. I have not watched the debates, have you? I watched the most recent one. We actually, there's a club that I'm kind of in called the Science Policy Initiative. Science Policy Initiative. That was named yes. by an engineer. <laughs> and uh, so the idea is that scientists should be more involved in policy and politics because our ability to do science is very much dictated by policy. You know, a lot of the funding for science comes from the government. So if a majority of people think science isn't real and they elect representatives who think science isn't real, then that hurts us a lot, which hurts, you know, mankind. Can't cure cancer without researching how to cure cancer, that sort of thing. Politicians that claim crazy shit about biology that isn't real, like Mm. a woman's vagina can reject... That is exactly the example that came to mind when you said that. I'm like, like the guy who thinks women can stop themselves from getting pregnant when they're being raped. I just wonder, how do other people's minds work? In general, I try to just pick based off of whatever platform sounds most appropriate for the situation. And when, when you hear allegedly members of a party and they believe these things or at least say that they believe these things they repeat it like it's true it makes a part of me not want to live on this planet anymore (laughs) (laughs) i just need uh 10 million dollars and i'll go to mars Ooh, scishow has a video that they released a couple hours ago 
about the science of decision making regarding game theory. Hmm. I was actually talking about game theory in class the other day. Really? What were you talking about game theory for? Um, potential ways that something like mutualism could evolve, like mutually altruistic behaviors and things like that, and like conflicts of interest in communication. Because communication as a behavior doesn't make sense without game theory, really. Okay. Uh, how so? So back in the day, there was a lot of assumptions that all organisms were in direct competition with all other organisms. Okay. And I think the idea of sending information or always being honest when you send information wouldn't benefit you. Theoretically, you're much better off lying to everyone all the time. Like, you find food, and then you say, there's no food over here. Or you go up to a female that you're trying to mate with, and you're like, I'm the highest quality male around, even though that may or may not be true. Okay. And so communication is, like, inherently conflicting. Okay, so it, it's from the perspective that everybody is in constant competition with one another? Yes. But with game theory... Mm-hmm because there are multiple players in the game or because you might play the game multiple times with individuals, mm-hmm. there are logical reasons why being honest makes sense. And then you could see sort of evolution push for honesty. Okay. And it makes more sense when you consider not all communication is like something you're controlling. You know, we're talking right now, so that's something we have direct control over. But... The color of my skin isn't something I can just manipulate. Okay. Or you have less degrees of control over your body language, perhaps. Right. So if I tell you something that upsets you, but you don't want me to know... It's harder to conceal. Right. Okay. Got you. So... Or even, like, feathers and, like, peacock tail feathers, right? Mm -hmm. What can a peacock do to control... The signals he sends. (laughs) He's, you know, he's got to have a good peacock diet. He's got to make sure (laughs) them feathers are extra plumy. Feather, (laughs) extra plumy. Yeah, a little more plumes going on here. Two questions have bothered me for a really long time. Okay. If water is clear. Mm-hmm. And things get wet. Why do most things become darker? And the second thing that has bothered me for a long time is mechanically, how do knives and scissors separate atomic molecules, like bonds? Like, what's going on there? So, knives don't separate molecules. Okay. Well, they might separate two molecules from each other, but they don't split a molecule. Okay. I was imagining them, like, cutting bonds somehow. If you're cutting through bread, Uh it's not like the bread is one giant conjoined molecule. Correct. Bunch of tiny ones. Several things. And how they stay together. How is it that things stay together? I don't they just spill apart. There might be light bonds in between atoms, but it's not the same as cutting like a hydrogen bond that holds a molecule together. 
it could even be like just things fit together well or maybe there maybe there is kind of like a lattice of things interconnected but i think the bonds in between molecules let's pick something like bonds within let's pick something like metal okay Mm -hmm. like a sheet of aluminum and a press comes down and smashes it okay and now there's a some sort of disc cut out of the aluminum right right um did that press break bonds of the aluminum with itself because it's a sheet of aluminum or aluminium for all the <laughs> British people. See, I think if it does break bonds, they're not the same level of bond as the sort of bonds that actually hold like water together. Okay, so are you saying that aluminum's bond is the same because it's aluminum to aluminum? Well, so you've got like a you have an atom of aluminum, uh-huh. and that atom is held together by strong and weak nuclear bonds, right? Things that... Right, but that's internal to itself. But then keeping the individual atoms, because like molecules that are made up of multiple atoms share electrons usually. Mm -hmm. So let's just have a straight sheet of aluminum, pure aluminum, Mm -hmm. not an alloy or anything. And the same situation happens. A press comes down and smashes it. So metals are like always in a arranged a lot of times like in a lattice, right? Where they share yes. electrons. So are there covalent bonds being broken? But are you saying like those covalent bonds are weaker than maybe if I was splitting a water? I'm actually looking it up. This has always bothered me because like when I started thinking about it, I'm like, Wait, I don't have a very good image mechanically what's going on at the atomic level. Alright, here is something that might help. Someone asked this basic question on the internet. Thank God. So for organic, it's just they're really weak bonds. More flexible, and the molecules bind through weak intermolecular interactions. Such as hydrogen bonds, which are weaker than covalent bonds, or van der Waals forces, which aren't really even bonds right i'm unfamiliar with van der wall forces but i that's how a gecko sticks to things oh that's so cool it's kind of just negative and positive are attracted to each other sort of deal okay so it looks like pressure and force cause things to deform in short it's complicated but very interesting yeah so if you'd like, I might be able to look up this nature paper. Okay. Because I should have access through my uh, school stuff. That's also made me wonder why I can't like just snap things back together like after I cut them. Right, why don't the bonds just reform? Well, in some substances, they probably do. But like, why doesn't it typically do that for paper? Or why won't that work for glass? Or... Right. It must have something to do, well, it might have something to do with that being a solid versus, say, a liquid or a whatever's in between solids and liquids. Because, oh, like, cutting a liquid would not um, do anything, right? Like, you just cut it, and then it would just 
right? It would just immediately get back together. Uh, question number two is <laughs> mm -hmm. it, why do things become darker most of the time when they get wet? That might Shirt. be easier. So it's like when you shine a light at a shirt, mm -hmm. it's not 100% opaque. Some of the light gets through, correct? Yes, because there are small holes in your shirt. Okay, now putting water onto that fills those holes with water. Okay, but so more of this still pretty clear. Water is pretty clear. Refracts a bit of the light too. Right. So okay, like water is clear. Like if you were to take a cup of water, like mm -hmm. clean water, you should always be able to see through it. Yes. But how far you can see down in water might have limits, right? I can't see the bottom of the ocean, maybe. Right, and even if the bottom, even if the ocean water was like perfectly free of contaminants, you might still not be able to see the bottom because there are apparently lakes somewhere that are fairly deep but don't look very deep because of the way that the like the water is really clear, so you can see pretty far. Hmm. If you took like a plastic bag, like a sandwich bag, okay, and it's clear, right? Mm -hmm. And then you fold it in half and fold it in half two, three times, it's not clear any longer. Okay. I take a sandwich bag mm -hmm. and I fold it in half. I fold yep. it in half again and again and again. Yep. Okay, let me go do that. I'll be right back. Yes, get a sandwich bag. I am now ready, Professor. All right. Fold that sandwich bag a couple of times. Okay. Okay. I've folded it like three times. Is it still clear? Couple questions. Have you done this before? <laughs> yes. So this is actually people. So polar bear hair is clear. It's transparent, but polar bears appear white. And this is why. Because they have so many layers of. Right. Oh. And they actually have black skin. So in theory, polar bears should appear black. But if you wrap them up in enough layers of hair, which they've got multiple layers of hair, you know, it's not like one perfect layer of hair, which is why you don't see their black skin. If water was perfectly clear, mm -hmm. then it wouldn't really matter. But I imagine it's not perfectly clear. You know, it could be very clear, but it's not perfectly clear. And so when the water is filling in some of the holes, even though it's clear, it's not perfectly clear. So it's blocking some more of that light. And since there might be something about your eyes too, so we actually, you're reading a paper about coloration in frogs. Coloration in frogs. Yes, and they were talking about how contrast, so what the frog is next to, changes its visibility. Okay. So like, because the shirt is already mostly not clear, slight changes in the amount of light passing through it might be very, very noticeable. This is just like a guess. Okay. So it might seem like, okay, you know, 98% of the light was stopped. You pour the water onto part of it. Now 99 is, 
but because it was already at 98, like the jump to 99 might seem more, I don't know, might seem more obvious. I guess, maybe. I guess I, I would just imagine it's the water is occupying space, preventing light from getting through. I agree that the little tiny holes are getting filled in with water. But why does the largely non-empty space also appear dark? It's not like... Hmm. And why doesn't that work with all other materials? If I get plastic wet. Well, plastic isn't porous, so it's not filling little holes. Okay. Sand or, is porous, how, okay, stones are porous. So rocks get darker, right? Most rocks get darker. A lot of rocks are porous. Hmm. It would vary by rock. So let's pick or, something that's not porous, but is a stone. Okay, so you've put water on, less light, so light is also, so light comes from the sun, or other sources, hits an object, bounces off, right? Correct. Maybe the water is kind of redirecting some of that light in another direction. Okay. Or it's absorbing some of it. Okay. So there's less water, less light reflecting back, mm -hmm. and because of that it appears darker. It's going to have something to do with that, either reflection or transparency or a combination. Because I was thinking about shining light through objects. But then you could also just have, you know, like when you're on the beach, it's not like there's a light under the sand that's being blocked. Right. It's just the sand is wet, so it might be reflecting less light. So Because there's more stuff there. Let's, let's stick with sand for a second. Okay. Okay. So in aggregate, the sand gets darker uh, when it gets wet, and then when it dries back out, it looks like the dry version. Mm -hmm. um, so should I see any difference between a dry grain of sand and a wet grain of sand in their color? A single grain? Yeah. Because I'd imagine the wet one is just the same grain with water around it, which would be reflecting light, like you were saying, with the shirt. So maybe the grain would look the same. Because, um, like, emergent property, right, is that all of the grains of sand look dark. But, like, a single one, does a single one look dark? Well, to, to wet it, though, you would have to be putting it into water. Right. So you've got, like, a single grain of sand in the middle of a bubble of water, let's say. Uh-huh. Like, I just take one of those little um, turkey baster kind of things and bloop, put a droplet of water on it. So then you've got... There's but then you're kind of looking through the water at the sand. Uh-huh. So I don't know how the color change... You know what I mean? Yes. And then we take little tweezers and pick the grain of sand out, and now it's just whatever water stuck to that grain. Or even if, let's say, there's like a big drop on one side of the grain, if you look through that, does it look like a different color than another part? And even, what about like water that the molecules are small enough? You know, just because there's not like visible wetness on it, doesn't mean that there's no moisture. water moisture on it. Water is weird. <laughs> Water is weird in like three or four important ways too. 
Like it expands when it becomes a solid rather than contracting, which is why ice floats in water. Whereas the solid version of most substances would sink in the liquid version of that substance. Yeah, water is weird. 